You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. So on today's show, we have Jason. Jason's net worth is $6 million, and 95% of his net worth is invested in real estate. And so this is one of the interviews where we have someone that's fully invested in real estate, you know, versus some of the others that we've done where they're bifurcated between the two or they have just a bunch of money in the markets. So Jason's story is interesting. He went to law school, he graduated law school, passed the bar, had a job offer, but decided to turn it down and started flipping houses full time. And he flipped houses, you know, for a couple of years and then met his business partner who was a broker on one of the homes he was trying to sell and partnered with this broker. And so they now have been partners for seven years and they invest currently in multifamily real estate. So no more single family homes. They're on to multifamily and they have about 300 units. So without further ado, let's get into the interview with Jason. Jason, you want to just kind of give us a, a little rundown of your history and kind of where you know where you grew up and to where you are now? Sure. Um, I'm, I'm not going to give my last name, but my That's first fine. name is Jason. Uh, I let's see, did undergraduate at University of Miami in Florida. Um, I went to GW for law school here in DC, and I actually grew up right outside of DC. Um, so I kind of came back home, uh, in law school, I studied real estate law that led me to take some tax courses, some business courses. Um, and in my going, actually going into law school, I was flipping some houses, um, with a partner. We didn't end up working out, um, as business partners. And in my first year of law school, I went out and got my real estate license I uh, tried to flip a house by myself, couldn't really sell it. It wasn't a strong market back then. Um, and I had an agent call me and he solicited the listing. You know, he said, look, I see you're not selling the house. I think I can help. Uh, for some reason, I agreed to meet with him and we actually ended up becoming partners. Um, and that was probably six or that was seven years ago. Um and so since then, we shifted away from flipping houses and we got into rentals a little over five years ago uh, with just as small as you can get, a single condominium rented out. Um, and since then, we've grown our portfolio to about 300 units with another 100 under development. Um, and so that's kind of my story. I, I, got, I had a job offer out of law school to practice law. I took the bar. I passed the bar. Um, but this was a lot more lucrative and a lot more fun. Cool. So when you made that decision to kind of go into, into real estate instead of law, was that something you'd kind of started to figure out during law school or is that kind of more after? Yeah, I, I think when you're in law school, they do a good job of pushing you to get some actual experience. So every summer you're, you're working for a law firm, you're working for the government, you're doing something and, I, I got to do private practice with two different firms. I got to do work for the GSA in their real estate division. And at the end of the day, you just kind of realize nothing's going to be as good as your own thing. Where Where is your 
where's your net worth sitting today? Uh, six million. Okay. And, and can you give us kind of the breakdown of that? Is it all real estate? Sure. Yeah. Um, so everything's 50, 50 with my partner. Uh, I could tell you, we have about 1.1 million in cash. Um, the rest is tied up in real estate. I'd say maybe 95% of it's in real estate. Uh, there's a very little bit in a new venture that I'm doing and I can get into that in a little bit. Um, and that's about it. It's, it's, it's not a diversified portfolio. Um, and, and we know that, and that's why we keep a certain amount of liquidity. Um, and, and part of our overall strategy, I think is pretty low risk. Yeah. So how long did it take you to go from basically zero to, to that six? It was uh, from zero to six. It was pretty fast. Um, really about those six years. Okay. And that's yeah. all the, the real estate. Is that multifamily? Are they single family homes? Kind of a mixture? Uh, we only have one single family home. We're doing a ground up development now for just uh, five single family homes and we're going to sell those. But typically everything we do is rentals through multifamily uh, and just sit on the asset. So building the portfolio. So let me ask you about how you got started. So you came out of law school, probably not a lot of money saved up. Maybe you did, but how did you, I mean, that's pretty quick in a matter of years to build it up to six. So how did it all get started? Yeah. So let me back up in, um, in undergrad, maybe, maybe I'll back up even before that, how I got, cause one of your questions is how did you get involved in saving investing any of that and my dad is a very smart guy and when i was 13 i think he had me do some research pick a stock and he would invest some money in it and whatever it made i would get to keep a portion of that um and so of course i, I don't know about you guys i was hugely into video games as a kid um and so i picked a, a gaming company that i liked and it doubled within a very short period of time. And I said, sell it, sell it. And he's like, no, no, I, you need to hold on to it. And of course, it uh, fell back down to below what we bought it for. <laughs> so, you know, that, that whole lesson was something that definitely got me into it. Um, and then in college, I was spending maybe two hours a day, almost every day, researching stocks and, and trying to trade them on a short-term basis. And this was during the depression or when it was happening, the Great Recession. Uh, and I did, I did pretty well. I didn't make a fortune or anything like that. Um, I had I'd gotten a, a small scholarship to school. And so I, I had a little bit of money saved that I was using for the stock trading. And kind of towards the end, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. It, it seemed like a scam. And it seemed just like too much to be up 10,000 one day and down 10,000 another especially when the stock market was so volatile uh, back then. Um, and so um, going back to your original question, it was how did I go from zero to six? Um, <clears throat> so I had learned a lot uh, from flipping houses as you do when, you're, when you throw yourself into anything. And when we got into the rentals, um, I, al I already had some pretty good knowledge about how to value property from some of the courses I took in law school. And 
what we did is is basically just borrow money from friends, family, acquaintances. Uh, my business partner, like I said, was a broker, so he had some clients who trusted him. We borrowed money at a strict 10% rate of return, which is pretty high. And we said, look, we'll, we'll sign personally. Uh, we went out, we, we bought these condos, and within only a few months, I was able to uh, justify valuations well above what we bought them for and get a bank loan, take out all that money, return it to the investors, and go ahead and do it again. So a lot of our strategy and the reason we've been able to grow so fast is what's commonly known as uh, buy, rehab, rent, refinance. It's like BRRR. Um, and so the first strategy, yeah, there you go. Um, and, and I love it. I love that strategy. Our investors love it because they expect their money back within 12 to 24 months. Um, and and we get to keep the property in the end. And I, I really think, and we could get into this more later, but the key to building wealth is acquiring income producing assets that are likely to appreciate in the future, but don't have to. No, that's a great that's a great comment there. So you've done everything pretty much in real estate. Have you ever thought going into some stocks again or you kind of said, hey, real estate's my game. I know it really well. I'm gonna stick with it. Um <clears throat> I guess when I started real estate, the the market had had really recovered quite a bit and you know, since then has gone up to astronomical numbers. Um, and I still research stocks and the whole market and I pay attention to it. I'm on CNBC every morning because, well, the biggest effect for us is the 10 year treasuries, uh, for our loans. So I'm always checking those. Um, I, I don't really see myself getting back into it. Uh, I, I think it kind of is a scam. Um, I see all these tech companies and they go and they IPO and, there's no basis, like Snapchat's a great example, right? There's no basis for their valuation. They're losing money. But but they, they go and they IPO and they present this story that makes these average Joes just think, hey, if I invest in this, maybe I can be rich one day. And and I, ju- I don't see it. I think a lot of private equity investments, If there's all these platforms now for both private equity in companies and private equity in real estate. And if you look at the rate of return that you can get from those, I think over time it's going to really outstrip the stock market. Good stuff. What are some of the mistakes you've made along the way? Being uh, penny wise and pound foolish, um, <laughs> which I know is pretty broad, but especially in real estate, you try to you try to do the quick, cheaper fix. Uh, and you really get screwed. You got to you got to pay for quality sometimes, and you just have to have a strategy where you can control cost, but not get the very very cheapest thing. That that's really landed us in some trouble because you get you know leaks in some of the units when you shouldn't, and tenants get upset. Um, the housing authority gets on your ass. You know, I I think since since realizing <laughs> mistakes, we've been a lot better and we've been a lot more respected by the tenant base and the housing authority. But, you know, it's just part of jumping in there and, and learning on your own. 
So what do you say to somebody who's maybe sitting in, you know, mutual funds and index funds and hasn't really done anything with small business or real estate and they're looking to diversify kind of the opposite way, you know, you have, where do they get started? Do they buy a single family? Do they invest in a small multifamily? Do they, I mean, what do they do? Uh, I'm, I'm a big proponent of knowledge and, and learning. And I think even before you're in a mutual fund, you should be reading up on it, reading up on the history of mutual funds on what is the economic outlook look like. Um, but, but if it were me starting over again, um, I would, I would pick up a book and we could talk about particular books, uh, in a little bit. Um, try to learn a business that I think is going to be there for a long time because it's not worth getting into anything unless you're going to be in it for a long time. And that's something Warren Buffett advocates. And it's something I believe in too, because anything can happen in the short term, especially with flips. You go in, you know, you think you're going to make a hundred grand and you could end up losing everything. Uh, but if you're in rentals, uh, the business I'm in, you can say, I can hold on to this for 30 years and make money every month from it. Uh, and I, I'm not forced to sell it. And that really, really reduces the risk. What are some of those books that you, that you kind of mentioned that you would recommend to, to a younger me, investor? Yeah, let me uh, pull up my Kindle because I like, like uh, these e-books a lot. <clears throat> you know, it's crazy. You keep hearing uh, multifamily just keeps going and going and going, right? You know, what are your, why you're pulling that up? What are your thoughts on are we, are we at the peak? Is it going to keep going? Um, I, I think if, I think if you look at what lenders are doing, um, they're definitely being a lot more conservative than, than last time before the big recession. Um, they're not letting you take a hundred percent loan to value. They're not letting you go below, um, a debt service coverage. That's just unreasonable. Um, I, I do think they're acting a little bit more responsibly, uh, but then again, one of my mentors, when the Great Recession hit, his apartments went up in value because more people are renting, rents increased, and then cap rates came down. Sure. Um, so I don't know. I mean, they're definitely in these markets like D.C. And, and New York. There definitely seems to be a an overdevelopment of Class A units. Uh, but and, and we didn't get into this with me. I'm, I'm in the lower income arena. And I like that because a lot of the tenants are subsidized, meaning that we get paid on the first of the month by the housing authorities. Um, so even if they don't pay their portion, well, then, you know, we can go through the eviction process, which always takes about six months in D.C. But during that entire time, we're getting paid by the housing authority. That's another way we think we're reducing risk. Um, all right. So Two books that have to do with multifamily specifically, Multifamily Millions by David Lindahl and Multifamily Insight Volume 1, and there actually was never a volume two, by uh, John, <laughs> what is this, John Wilhoyt Jr. Um, those are both on Amazon. Uh, Clark, I had told you about the uh, alternative investment. Alternative is that answer. 
alternative non-traditional investments that drive the world's best performing portfolios so that also looks interesting i hadn't heard of that one before yeah that book that book is probably best for someone who wants to be passive um obviously that's not me uh but but it was still a very interesting read um and i think you guys will enjoy it uh let's see another book that i have in print the secret of real estate and banking um, secret life of real estate and banking okay. real estate and banking uh i i really enjoyed it i know some other people who have a tough time getting through it it talks about the entire history of all these big busts in the real estate market and the economy. Um, and it draws some pretty interesting conclusions. So that's not really how to go out and start investing yourself, but it, it's a good read. Those other books, Multifamily Millions and the, and the volume one of that other book, they, they really get into how to do it. So those, those would be starting books. When, I, when anyone asks me uh, what to start with, I recommend those two usually. Good stuff. So where, where do you kind of head from here? I mean, you're young, you've got a high net worth, you've got this business that you're running. Basically, your 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 large majority of your net worth's in your business in these real estate deals. Where do you go from here? Do you have any plans to invest some of that passively or are you kind of trying to hit a target, you know, growth with your business? Yeah, so it's a great question and I think you're going to be interested with, with what I have to say. Um, we're expanding. Obviously, we're going to continue to grow, continue our core strategy. And I can tell you, uh, it's been much harder recently to get deals that make sense um, that will actually cash flow. Um, we're expanding horizontally within our, our business. So we're getting into concrete. We bought a few concrete trucks and silos. Uh, and the, the math behind that was, hey, with just the development that we have in the pipeline, we can make double the amount that these trucks cost if we pour our own concrete. Um, and, and that already has turned into six months of work that pay for the trucks 10 times over. Um, we work heavily with our GC who does all of our stuff. Um, he's, he's a black guy uh, and, and he's eligible for minority business status. So we're helping him uh, get that status and then expand his business to take on government contracts. Um, and so we have a minority, <laughs> different different meaning, but a minority stake uh, <laughs> in his, real estate, his construction business. Um, so by expanding you know, horizontally, we're going to be able to get better economies of scale for our own stuff. Um, and I think they're actually going to be huge uh, cash generators that we'll then be able to put back into assets. And that will probably mean more real estate. So let's talk, you know, you said you've mainly partnered with one guy, right? Initially, you you maybe started with somebody, it didn't quite pan out how you saw it, and now you're going full force with, with uh, I assume, a good friend. Talk um, a little bit about that, maybe how you guys met, Yeah. maybe the advantages or disadvantages of having a partnership. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see that you guys are partners um, because I think it's really, really important. Um, you meet a lot of people who are kind of cynical in, in older generations than us who have done everything themselves and, and they're usually very stressed out people, even if they're very successful. 
Um, I have a cousin who's probably worth 70 million, all from real estate, started his own business when he was 13, selling ice cream. Um, and, and he got screwed by a partner a while ago and never took on another one. And he stressed out all the time. Um, <laughs> the reason my partner and I work really well together is because we're so different. You, you need someone who has different skill sets than you. He's the one beating the block. He's the salesperson. He's on site watching the construction. I'm in the back office talking to the bank, talking to the investors, running the numbers on everything. Um, and and he would he said he would kill himself if he was doing paperwork all day. And and I I love it. Um, so I, I think it's extremely important to have have a partner you can trust. And really to have a partner that values similar things that you do, or at least is willing to sacrifice to, to get similar things that you want. So the example for that is that my first business partner, I remember him saying, hey, when we sell this house, uh, why don't we go out and uh, buy like a Rolex or something? And I thought, that's the dumbest thing. We're like 20 years old. Like we need to be reinvesting this money so that down the road we can buy a Rolex without batting an eye, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and my my partner now, just like me, we're both very frugal. I mean, I live in an apartment I bought uh, at the beginning of law school because the law school gave me a scholarship for housing, and I use that as a down payment. And it's an 800 square foot apartment, which I guess is big by New York standards. Yeah. Um, and, and I still live here with my wife, and we have no plans to move. And, of course, it's gone up, and I can afford something better. But why? You, you stay frugal until it just doesn't make sense to stay frugal, right? Yeah. Um, and, and he's the same way. He was making great money in brokerage and uh, continues to make good money in brokerage and our business. Excuse me. Um, and, you know, he, he travels. But he spends way, way, way under. And I had already mentioned how we met. He, uh, he solicited my sale of a single-family house that I was looking to flip. Um, and we kind of, he, he took me out to dinner to celebrate after it sold. Uh, we kind of hung out a few more times, and he asked if, we wanted, if I wanted to partner up. So it was, you know, he wasn't a, a good friend before. It was really meeting him in a professional setting, and, and something just clicked. Gotcha. Now you mentioned uh, you're married. How how involved is your wife in involved finances? Business. Yeah. Zero. <laughs> Zero. She's yeah, doing she, her own thing. She's an attorney too, um, but but she you know she works for an association. Nothing to do with real estate. Has no interest in it. Has no interest in owning her own business. Wants me to take care of taxes and and all that stuff. So. <laughs> Zero involvement, which is good. I mean, it works perfectly. Okay. Do you have a target net worth you want to hit at some point in your life? No. No. It, and and for me, it's more about the the cash flow. Um, so we're we're up to about uh, one point six million total in cash flow per year. Um, and so just just growing that base. Is, is what I'm looking to do. And I, I don't really have a target as, as long as I'm happy and I can, you know, put food on the table. Things are good. Good stuff. 
Let me ask uh, maybe one last question. How'd you find your first multifamily deal? It was on the MLS listing, if you could believe it. Um, it was a an 11 unit building back in early 2013. Uh, they were asking 600,000 and we picked it up for 500. Uh, and then within 12 months, after putting in about 250,000, we had it appraised at 1.3 million. Wow. And how did you get the initial capital for that one? Uh, on that one, we borrowed money again at 10% and used that as the equity. And then we got, we were able to get a bank loan. The first bank actually, uh, turned us down after three months of dragging us along. We went to, we used a mortgage broker the next time and he got it done. And mortgage brokers in real estate are, are pretty useful, especially when you're starting out. Um, since then, we've switched to giving investors actual equity um, instead of just strict debt. Gotcha. Good stuff. Well, do you have anything, last piece of advice for our listeners of Millionaires Unveiled? <sighs> just, just keep learning and don't be afraid to take calculated risks. Um, I, I don't really think that people are going to make a fortune by just investing in a stock bond portfolio. I think you need to use leverage, you know, especially if you're going out on your own, you need to leverage your money and other people's money and, and use a bank uh, to really make things work. Um, but, but that's about it. I mean, you, ha you have to keep learning and you have to think about what's going to be here in 20 years from now, in 40 years from now. Because certain industries aren't, um, and and you don't want to get into those. So what? So what do you say to uh, Dave Ramsey when he says, "Don't don't borrow any money," that's or, or wait to invest all in cash? That's that's crazy. Now, I I don't think you should leverage a stock portfolio because you just don't have enough control over it, um, and I don't think that you should really be investing if you have debt because paying down that debt, how, how are you going to make over 25% return guaranteed uh, versus paying down your 25% interest credit cards? It's just not going to happen. So yeah, the, the advice I give most people is if you have credit card debt or other debt, even student loans, if they're above, you know, four or 5%, even if they're below pay them down, um, my wife had had student debt. We rolled it over into a new mortgage, and so all of it is tax deductible um, and at a much lower interest rate. Uh, I, you know, when it comes to borrowing money for business, that's a completely different ballgame, and I think you need to do it. Um, now, we've had such a hard time getting money on this other venture I was talking to you guys about out in Frederick, uh, even though our balance sheets are great. Our credit is perfect um, because banks just don't like to be in new ventures. Real estate, they're comfortable being in because they know how it works. Um, but but you you ultimately you really need to borrow money to to have a successful venture. I think for for the most part, I'm sure there's many exceptions to that. Okay, and just so the listeners know, that's something we talked about uh, off the podcast. It was just a new small business uh, opportunity that he was looking into. So thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks for Jason. taking the time and great advice. Good luck, guys. Thank you. Thanks. 
Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mattinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.